Welcome back to our study of First Kings. We are in First Kings chapter 22 today. This is the last chapter of First Kings, but it's really long, so we'll be looking at it in two parts. We'll look at the first part this time, and then Lord willing, the second part next time, which will bring us to the end of the book of First Kings, if you can believe it. So let's look together at First Kings chapter 22, beginning in verse 1. It says, for three years, Syria and Israel continued without war. Now let's stop there and just remember where we've been. In chapter 21, we saw a pair of battles between Syria and Israel. Ben-Hadad was the king of Syria, and Ahab was the king of Israel. After those two battles, there has now been a period of three years without war between these two countries. But look what happens next. Verse 2 says, But in the third year, Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, came down to the king of Israel. And the king of Israel said to his servants, Do you know that Ramoth Gilead belongs to us? And we keep quiet and do not take it out of the hand of the king of Syria. And he said to Jehoshaphat, Will you go with me to battle at Ramoth Gilead? And Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, I am as you are. My people is your people. My horses is your horses. So the king of Israel is now thinking Syria is holding on to Ramoth Gilead, a city that should belong to the nation of Israel. And so he asked Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, which remember is the southern kingdom, Israel's the northern kingdom. He asked Jehoshaphat if he would go with him to battle at Ramoth Gilead. And Jehoshaphat essentially says, yes, my people are as your people, my horses are your horses, I'm with you, let's go. Except Jehoshaphat wants one thing before they go. Look at verse 5. And Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, inquire first for the word of the Lord. Then the king of Israel gathered the prophets together, about 400 men, and said to them, shall I go to battle against Ramoth Gilead, or shall I refrain? And they said, Go up, for the Lord will give it into the hand of the king. But Jehoshaphat said, Is there not here another prophet of the Lord of whom we may inquire? So Jehoshaphat wants to know before he goes to battle alongside of the king of Israel, he wants to know if this is something God wants them to do. He wants to know what God says about this. So he asks if there's a prophet through whom they might inquire of the word of the Lord. And so Ahab, the king of Israel, calls these prophets, right? Verse 6, uh, the king of Israel gathered the prophets together. There are about 400 of them, it says. And what did they say? Well, they, he asked, shall I go, against, should go to battle against Ramoth Gilead? And they said, go up, for the Lord will give it into the hand of the king. But Jehoshaphat, for whatever reason, was not satisfied with this. We don't know why it was that Jehoshaphat um, asked if there was someone else they could inquire of the Lord. Uh, we don't know. But Jehoshaphat asked in verse 7, uh, he says, uh, Is there not here another prophet of the Lord of whom we may inquire? And so what does the king say? Verse 8, And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, there is yet one man by whom we may inquire of the Lord, Micaiah, the son of Imlah. But I hate him, for he never prophesies good concerning me, but evil. And Jehoshaphat said, Let not the king say so. Now, this is interesting, because when Jehoshaphat asks if there's another prophet 
by whom they could inquire of the Lord, the king says, yeah, there is one, but I hate this guy. His name is Micaiah, and he never prophesies anything good for me. He always prophesies evil. Now, what is the job of a prophet? Right? A genuine prophet is supposed to speak the truth, is supposed to say whatever the Lord gives them to say. So the real question is not, does he prophesy good or evil concerning me? The question is, does what he prophesied come to pass? Is he faithfully speaking for the Lord? But that's not what Ahab is talking about. He doesn't say, well, there's Micaiah, but his prophecies never come true. He says, well, there's Micaiah, but I don't ever like what he says. The things he says about me are never good. Well, uh, let's see what happens next. Verse 10 says, Now the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, were sitting on their thrones or excuse me, verse 9 says, Then the king of Israel summoned an officer and said, Bring quickly Micaiah, the son of Imlah. So they're going to bring Micaiah. But in the meantime, it says, Now the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, were sitting on their thrones, arrayed in their robes at the threshing floor at the entrance of the gate of Samaria. And all the prophets were prophesying before them. And Zedekiah, the son of Chenana, made for himself horns of iron and said, Thus says the Lord. With these you shall push the Syrians until they are destroyed. And all the prophets prophesied so and said, Go up to Ramoth Gilead and triumph. The Lord will give it into the hand of the king. So the two kings are sitting at the gate of the city of Samaria, and these 400 prophets are prophesying before them. And one of them in particular is singled out, Zedekiah who makes these iron horns and uses them to sort of show and say, you know, this is how you're going to defeat uh, you know, Syria, Ramoth Gilead. And all the prophets are saying, go to battle. The Lord is going to give Ramoth Gilead into your hand and so on. And then verse 13 says, And the messenger who went to summon Micaiah said to him, Behold, the words of the prophets with one accord are favorable to the king. Let your word be like the word of one of them and speak favorably. So the messenger says, look, all the other prophets are saying the king is going to win. That's what you ought to say too. The messenger, likewise, is not saying, what does the Lord say? You should say what the Lord says. He's treating um, these prophets as though their main job is either to tell the king what he wants to hear or to tell the king something that's encouraging or something like that, right? But what he's not concerned with is, are you speaking the truth from the Lord? But Micaiah says, <clears throat> in verse 14, it said, but Micaiah said, as the Lord lives, what the Lord says to me, that I will speak. And when he had come to the king, the king said to him, Micaiah, shall we go to Ramoth Gilead to battle or shall we refrain? And he answered him, Go up and triumph. The Lord will give it into the hand of the king. But the king said to him, How many times shall I make you swear that you speak to me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? So Micaiah shows up and he does say exactly what the other prophets have been saying and what the king probably wants to hear. But the king can tell that something's not right. right? He says, How many times do I have to get you to swear that you're telling me the truth? He can tell that Micaiah is probably not uh, shooting him straight, right? And Micaiah is not. 
He's, he's not saying what the Lord has actually said at this point. He's making a point by telling the king what he wants to hear, right? Or what all the other prophets are saying. And so when the king questions him about it, now he tells him what the Lord has actually said. Verse 17, And he said, I saw all Israel scattered on the mountains as sheep that have no shepherd. And the Lord said, These have no master. Let each return to his home in peace. And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, Did I not tell you that he would not prophesy good concerning me, but evil? So, Micaiah says, Okay, I'll, I'll tell you what I saw. I saw the people of Israel scattered like sheep without a shepherd. The king is the shepherd. And if the people are scattered like sheep without a shepherd, that probably means the king has been captured or killed. And they've been routed in battle. All right, so this is not what the king would want to hear. And um, he says to Jehoshaphat, basically, I told you so. Micaiah never says anything good for me. And then here's how Micaiah responds to that. Verse 19, Micaiah said, Therefore hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne and all the host of heaven standing beside him on his right hand and on his left. And the Lord said, Who will entice Ahab that he may go up and fall at Ramoth Gilead? And one said one thing, and another said another. Then a spirit came forward and stood before the Lord, saying, I will entice him. And the Lord said to him, By what means? And he said, I will go out and will be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. And he said, You are to entice him, and you shall succeed. Go out and do so. Now therefore, behold, the Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouth of all these your prophets. The Lord has declared disaster for you. Now, this is a bit of a strange scene. This is not the only time we see something like this. This is reminiscent a little bit of Job chapter 1, where Satan appears before the Lord in the heavenly courtroom or throne room. Similarly here, Micaiah describes a vision of the Lord in his throne room, and um, the hosts of heaven are there around him, right, um, on his right and on his left. And the Lord is the one who asks, who will entice Ahab that he may go up and fall at Ramoth Gilead? Who's going to convince Ahab to go to this battle where he is going to fall, where he is going to die? And so there's discussion about that. And then one spirit in particular says, I will go out and will be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. And the Lord says, basically, go out and do so. Now, it's not the Lord who's lying. Right? The Lord is not doing anything evil. We know that God doesn't sin, can't be tempted by sin. God never does anything evil. Right? But he does send this spirit or allow this spirit to go to be a lying spirit in the mouth of the prophets that Ahab has surrounded him with. And so that's why they're all telling him these false things. Right? Even this is underneath the Lord's control. Um, and so Micaiah says, this is what's happening, right? Therefore, behold, the Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouth of all these, your prophets. The Lord has declared disaster for you. You're going to suffer. You're going to, ultimately, he's going to die. Right? And then finally, we'll look at verses 24 to 28. It says, then Zedekiah, the son of Chanana, came near and struck Micaiah on the cheek and said, how did the spirit of the Lord go from me to speak to you? And Micaiah said, Behold, you shall see on that day when you go into an inner chamber to hide yourself. 
And the king of Israel said, Seize Micaiah and take him back to Amon, the governor of the city, and to Joash, the king's son, and say, Thus says the king, Put this fellow in prison and feed him meager rations of bread and water until I come in peace. And Micaiah said, If you return in peace, the Lord has not spoken by me. And he said, Hear all you peoples. So Micaiah is arrested and put on meager rations until the king returns in peace. And Micaiah says, You're not returning in peace. If you return in peace, then the Lord hasn't spoken by me. And he calls all the people there listening to witness, right? Hear all you peoples. And the reason for this is the way you know in the Old Testament whether or not somebody is a genuine prophet of God or not is by whether or not what they say actually comes to pass. And so in Deuteronomy 18, we're told this, Deuteronomy 18, 20 to 22 says, But the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that I have not commanded him to speak, or who speaks in the name of other gods, that same prophet shall die. And if you say in your heart, how may we know the word that the Lord has not spoken? So how do we know if this is a false prophet, if someone's not actually speaking by the Lord, if they claim to be speaking in the name of the Lord? And then it says, when a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the word does not come to pass or come true, that is a word that the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. You need not be afraid of him. So the issue is not who's saying what the king wants to hear. The issue is not who's saying what will help the king do the, you know, be victorious in battle. Like who, who's giving him an encouraging word to build his confidence so he can do the right thing? That, that's not the issue. The issue is, are they speaking the truth? Are they really speaking for the Lord? Are they saying what God has told them to say? And the way you'll know is by whether or not what they say comes to pass, comes true. Now, most of us are probably not ever going to um, hear a word from a prophet. Even if you believe that the gift of prophecy is still in operation, some Christians do, some Christians don't. Even if you do, the likelihood that you are going to encounter a prophet uh, is pretty slim. But there is still application for us here. Because Paul warns Timothy about what people are likely to do rather than listen to the truth. The main way we hear from God, again, whether you believe uh, that prophets still exist or still in operation or, or not, the main way we hear from God is through his word, through the scriptures, which, by the way, is the word of the prophets and the apostles. And it's ultimately the word of God. It's God's word through men, through the prophets and apostles that the Holy Spirit inspired. So these are his words, right? This is his word. And what Paul says after exhorting and charging Timothy to preach the word is he says this, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. In other words, what people are inclined to do, whether we're talking about prophets or preachers, is they're inclined to listen to people who will tell them what they want to hear, rather than what God has actually said. 
But anyone who's claiming to speak for the Lord, whether this is an Old Testament prophet or whether this is a preacher today, our job is to communicate faithfully what God has said to the best of our ability. A prophet had a unique level of inspiration, right? They were speaking by the Lord. Preachers don't have that same, um, they, don't, they don't have that inspiration, right? They're not, they're not speaking by the Holy Spirit in the same way that the prophets were. We're not writing new scripture, right? But what we are trying to do is communicate faithfully what God has already said. And so when you're listening to a Bible study or a sermon or whatever, the question ought not to be, do I like what I hear? Is what I'm hearing uh, encouraging me, you know, making me feel good about myself, that kind of thing. I mean, encouragement is good when it's biblical, right? I'm not saying encouragement's bad. But the question is not, do I like what I hear? Am I hearing what I want to hear? The question is, is what I am hearing what God says? Because what ultimately matters is not, am I being, you know, am I having my ears, uh, my itching ears, scratched, so to speak? Am I, am I getting what I think I need to hear? The question is, am I hearing what God says? Because the reality is nobody wants to hear bad news. Nobody wants to be told that something they're doing is sinful. Nobody wants to be told that something they're doing is wrong. Nobody wants to be told that they need to change course, stop doing something, do something else. Nobody likes to be told that. But we all need to be told that at times. And so sometimes when someone is faithfully explaining the word, it's going to say things to us that we don't really want to hear. But what we need to recognize is if God says it, we need to hear it. And that the fault is not in the messenger, right? Ahab did not like Micaiah. But what was Micaiah doing? Micaiah was telling Ahab what God said. And so the issue, again, is not whether or not we like the messenger, is not whether or not we like the message. The question is, is it the right message? Is it God's message? Is it God's word that we're hearing? And if it's God's word that we're hearing, we need to heed it, whether we like what we're hearing or not. Because ultimately, God's word is always good for us. And it's always, if it's a warning, a rebuke, it's good for us to hear it. It's bad for us if we refuse to listen to that and continue in our sin. It's, things are not going to get better. If we will heed that word and repent and turn to the Lord, things will be better for us. Right? If we, if we repent and we confess our sin, then we'll be forgiven. And, and uh, it's better to listen to the Lord. Right? It's better to do what he says than to refuse to listen. So let Ahab's actions be both a warning and an encouragement to us. A warning not to be like Ahab and get mad at the messenger if we don't like what he says. Let it instead be an encouragement to uh, listen to God's word and to heed what God says and to care more about whether or not what we're being told is truly from God. Care about that more than whether we like what we're hearing. And with that, we will, Lord willing, see you next time. God bless.